0: Dr. Fauci, who I actually got along with, he's a nice guy. He's a great promoter, you know. Not a great doctor, but he's a hell of a promoter. He likes television more than any politician in this room.
1: Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate,
0: House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things
2: without a filibuster threat. Oh,
0: you'll regret this? And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for
1: our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
3: Good Tuesday to everybody. Welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. I'm Josh Holmes, along with Comfortably Smug and Michael Duncan, ready to get the week started for you.
2: I mean, this is going to be a banger of an episode. We've We've got terrific guests. Who do we have on?
3: Yeah, uh, so Dave Rubin's on, and for those of you who haven't seen the Rubin Report, you got to check it out. The man is entertaining to say the least, but he's also got a great story and how he ultimately became a conservative, went from very progressive to now a conservative thought leader, and it's a good interview. I think everybody's going to love it. And uh,
2: another thing, speaking of things everyone loves, the merch is out, folks. (laughs) Duncan has hit the internet button. We finally, we have everything. We've been getting so many people requesting merch for so long. And Duncan, by the grace of God, has finally delivered.
1: Dude, I'm getting the strangest requests for merch. <laughs> like, people want baby gear, youth gear, yeah, you know, stuff for their cats. Uh, I mean, cats, you, yeah, cats yeah, listen I'm, to I'm, the show. Look, I'm going to keep pushing the internet button and trying to deliver as much as I possibly can. We just have a couple limitations on the front end. Uh, where we only have a certain uh, you know number of items that we can put in the store uh, but I promise everyone listening if merch is available in any sort of type, I will push the internet button and try to
3: deliver it. And the important part to remember is if you have any requests, anything, whether oh, it's the sizing, whether it's oh, the color, on. whether yeah. it's for a different kind of animal, make sure to tag at Michael Duncan because he takes care of all of it personally.
2: Yeah. Per- yeah. Just cyberbullying me. <laughs> and, and for everyone who's been asking for the link, it is store.ruthlesspodcast.com. That's store.ruthlesspodcast.com. So you don't have to tweet at Duncan about that one.
3: Oh, listen, fellas, fellas, one other shout out here before we get too far. I want to thank everybody uh, on the program for their ingenuity. You've got Duncan, who's moving today, who managed to figure out how to hook himself to the Internet and and get this going. I'm away. I'm on vacation. But my commitment to Ruthless knows no bounds. Here I am on the air. And, you know, thank God I'm finally uh, not
2: going to the airport for a day. I spent the better part of like half a week flying to pretty much every major city in the U.S. for meetings like L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, Dallas. And I I mean, I don't even know what time it is. Like, it's a strange form of jet lag where I don't know where I am, what time it is (laughs) in a daze. uh, Time has no meaning. I I feel like I I can eat dinner at like midnight and then like breakfast at 3 p.m. Nothing makes sense to me, so. But we're well, still soldiering on, folks. We got a show that has to get out on Tuesday.
3: All that flying around. Did you happen to look out the window and see any UFOs?
2: No. And, and you know why? And this is interesting. So I'm starting to think this was all just like a, a, a total fake news cover conspiracy theory. I don't buy, I don't believe UFOs. I don't buy it at all.
3: Oh, so you're saying 60 Minutes is hoaxed this one the same way that they did to
2: yeah, I mean, 60 Minutes. That's fake news is their specialty these days. So,
3: so, so, a highly anticipated government report did not find evidence that unexplained aerial phenomena, likened to UFOs that Navy pilots have witnessed in recent years, are actually alien spacecrafts. But the report also apparently does not definitively say that they're not. So, I mean,
2: I mean, here's the thing: I've really gotten on lately with you know the quote-unquote conspiracy theories. Is I think when you have something like this go out and take over the news like everyone's talking about UFOs you're like oh my gosh the government has these photos of UFOs it's on 60 minutes it all must be real. The question is what are they trying to either front run or like distract you from? And <laughs> and then you see this news that like Bezos is going to space for some reason now. Like well, what that- is going on there? There's no way that's a coincidence. Well,
3: Bezos hasn't not- been to
2: space before and all of a sudden he has to. Maybe, maybe aliens are real and don't have UFOs, and he's just, like, meeting them up there real quick. You know, they're planning out the world domination thing. He's helping them out. Who knows? Something's up with that.
3: Bezos kind of has that alien look to him, though, you know? Right. I mean, if you saw him... You find one of those little around. green
2: guys you put on some makeup? Bezos. <laughs>
3: I mean, so apparently he's, he's built himself a spacecraft and is going... On the it's soon, I think like next month, right? He's going yeah. on. To fly. he's going to like space. right
2: after. So he's stepping down as CEO, but he'll remain like executive chairman. I think July fifth, and then right after, because I bet like you know shareholders, the board would not be happy if the CEO is getting put on a rocket and shot into space. Uh, but right after, so July twentieth, yeah, July twentieth.
3: Would you go on that? Duncan, would you go on that? If, if Bezos was like, hey, hey, Duncan, uh, bring your merch. Come on my spacecraft. Would you go on that?
1: Absolutely. 100%. No
3: no hesitation.
1: No hesitation whatsoever. I mean, I love sci-fi. I love space.
3: It's not sci-fi, pal. This is real life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the opportunity to make it real
2: is, mm. is very attractive. That's a, I, I, No way. Well,
3: you so
1: here's
0: it.
2: the thing. Is, I would go into space. I wouldn't go with Bezos. I don't like so, – there's something about some of these, like, creepy billionaires. I mean, we've seen a lot of reason why they're very creepy people. I don't want to be on any flight manifest with a lot of these folks. I would, I would love to be, you know, in space. It, it sounds awesome. Zero gravity. You know, who gets the chance to do that, right?
3: What do you think but, he's going to harvest your organs or something? I mean, something? who knows
2: what these folks are up to,
3: <laughs>
2: right? <laughs> I limit the billionaires I like to hang out with. They have to be sane people. I can't suspect them of being part of any, you know, weirdo – behavior uh that seems to be very prevalent among this audience uh of uh billionaires you know i'm not going to say anything specific but many many people are saying things about like bill gates you know uh his, his wife melinda's clearly not happy he was spending time with epstein so you know i'm very picky choosy about which ones i want to hang out with
3: Yeah, no, it's always good for the program when Smug decides to make a segment out of insulting billionaires. That's right, (laughs) people love that. People love that. I'm sure it won't have have any impact on the program. (laughs) Listen, we've got uh, another thing that caught my eye, which doesn't surprise me at all, but it turns out that children of trendy vegan diets, like if your Mm -hmm. kids are on these vegan diets, they grow up short, (sighs) 1.2 inches shorter and they have smaller and weaker bones. <laughs> I mean, are,
2: is anyone surprised by this? Let's be serious.
3: <laughs> it seems so absolutely self-explanatory, right? You're feeding your kids smoothies their entire life. they are not going to actually have any strength to them. Well, I mean, so, so
1: that's, that's actually, I, I'm glad you raised that the smoothie line Holmes, because I know smugs take on, on men under six feet are short. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I that's hear you. That's, that's okay. But Smug, you're also a fan of of these trendy smoothies.
2: So, so, so these trendy smoothies that I have is they're not vegan at all. Oh. They they have protein that comes from like animal product. Uh, no, this is this is the animal kingdom is in these smoothies.
3: In I would fairness, amongst, Smug Smug just started abusing himself. His parents actually raised him right. This all is right. a choice that he's made after he's come to full full height.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've already cracked the six foot gap. you know, a long time ago. Uh, but, it, you know, th- this this speaks to a lot uh, that has been concerning me lately about parenting in this country of where, I mean, we already know that, like, the left, the woke folks are already doing the most messed up garbage with, with curriculum in our schools, and a lot of these parents feel this kind of, like, peer pressure to be like, yeah, I know the stuff that they're teaching our kids is kind of crazy, but I'm not going to speak out because I don't want everyone on Facebook, all the moms to come after me and be mad. And and at the same time, it's like, okay, now if you make your kid a vegan to be part of these like, you know, my guess is this is significant among the like California wine mom population. Yeah. You know, the uh, what was her name when she ran for uh, in the Dem primary? The lady who, who talked about like dark psychic forces. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Marianne Mar- Williamson. Marianne Williamson. This is like Marianne Williamson. Followers are a hundred percent making their children short or Benedict. with this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you know, um,
1: you know, there's some parents out there that are doing a fantastic job. That's what
3: I was gonna say.
1: Yeah, and and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it on today's program. Smug, you you had the honor of wishing happy birthday to a young man
2: Can you tell us a little bit about that that's great that yeah Uh, this was amazing folks so uh a friend of mine carol uh shoots me a text saying she's at a friend's uh you know their kid's birthday party and the 10 year old is a huge fan of ruthless uh you know would i be willing to make a call i'm like in between airports like (laughs) my brain is fried and i was like are you kidding me for, for for a listener of our show, I will do anything, anything, and so I you know I I, I give a call. I wish the young man happy birthday, Lewis. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope that tenth birthday was amazing. Uh, what a great family raising them right. You know that's the thing about ruthless is the only way we're going to fight back about you know against people trying to have short vegan children is you got to yeah. start young. You got you got to raise them right.
3: I can't imagine a better way to educate your child than have them listening to Ruthless on a day-to-day basis. And by the way, having Smug, maybe we should just start a cameo or something for Smug because I have a feeling this is going to be a a repeat request.
2: I'm going to call it early. If I had to guess, Lewis, he's clearly going to be over six feet tall. No question. Got that to look forward to,
3: young man. Thank you for listening. He's probably gnawing on a T-bone right now. (laughs) Honestly, it was a great, it was, I love to see it on Twitter. And I got a couple of follow-ups from, from other minions who were saying that their kids are huge fans too. Listen, we love it, man. All ages come and enjoy the program. Yeah. That's what we're here for. <laughs> all right. What so, we- so we have to transition to our, our, our big topic here. It's a reoccurring topic on the mm-hmm. program and it's whether we're dealing with a summer of love or a summer of violence. Yeah. And smug, we all know, ...that you are very well documented in the summer of violence category. Yeah,
2: I'm totally on board with the theory that this is summer of violence. But, you know, some, some interesting data is this could, all, this could be a Roaring Twenties. This could be just... I, I don't think it has to be either or. I think it could be a Violent Roaring Twenties, right? <laughs> um, like, I, I still believe people absolutely do not know how to act. Like, you they see don't. that constantly... Constantly, the
1: stuff coming off about you know airplanes, you know fights on airplanes, and people yeah. getting too drunk or like trying to attack a cockpit. I mean, clearly, you have a point that yeah, there is you a summer of Coach,
2: what do you think is going to happen, folks? Oh, come you on!
3: <laughs> Just unbelievable,
2: <laughs> unbelievable. But <laughs> I mean, I, I I I've always been you know, and I remain summer of violence. But the data that's out here is is super compelling. So th- this is an article. It was on MSN talking about Americans re-emerging after pandemic isolation. Uh, There's a quote, it felt like the end of prohibition that everyone wants to come out and celebrate, said Jameson LaGuardia, vice president for sales operations at Royal Entertainment Group. Like I'm seeing this when when I went out, uh, you know, Saturday, had a get together. Tremendous turnout, tremendous turnout. Folks have had over a year of just absolute frustration, especially if you live in a city where, a lot of the rules. Uh, I was recently in LA and the number of folks, you know, business owners I would talk to heartbroken that either their business suffered, you know, tremendously, or they know someone whose business closed down because like the, the, the dem governors and the dem mayors were like, not even outdoor dining is okay. We will remain locked down far after the CDC had released guidelines, just killing businesses. Uh, So there's this pent up demand for folks to get out there and get back to enjoying life, like it's it's a listen it's a return to normalcy we can't we can't all just like live inside forever wearing masks folks
3: there's also a silver lining here and i don't know how long we're going to be able to hold on to it so everybody's got to really enjoy their time because the, the reality is is the progressives are still locked in their homes so like the chances of you being able to go out and get a dinner reservation and enjoy the crowd much higher Right, you're dealing with a center-right population out there, in large part. You know that's the thing
2: is, and and so I experienced this firsthand because you know a lot of my work entails traveling, and throughout the pandemic, I was I was in the skies constantly. Let me tell you, you know who else was on those planes? And and there were three or four people, but every single time, almost, it was like a Trump supporter. You'd see him like, (laughs) like number one, wearing wearing a Make America Great Again hat on a plane—such a power move. (laughs) uh but it was it's like such a power move especially during covid especially like we're talking like you know next level patriots out here what a king yeah um because like like you like you said Holmes. like all the lives were like we we can't go outside we can't see our families ever again uh we absolutely cannot sing or dance at weddings there will be no weddings uh we will all just stay in our homes
3: i have a counterintuitive plea for all of the listeners all Mm -hmm. the minions everyone. You're going to feel some anxiety and perhaps some even hostility when you look around and somebody's still double masking it despite being vaccinated and they've mm-hmm. got their children kind of tucked underneath them as they scurry them into like their car and shielding them away from the rest of humanity. Mm-hmm. Encourage them. Keep safe. That is yep. what a responsible thing to do. Because yeah. these are the people, by the way, that make going out terrible no matter what, pandemic Bingo. or not, right? Bingo. These people are... De- so let them just do their thing. If they... Do not take them away from the idea that this pandemic can still kill them all, because to be honest, it's better if they're locked in their homes. Well, it's like so Gallup
2: had this poll that they did where they said that 63.5% of adults have been vaccinated, but 79% are still wearing masks. I think that just like number one, that says the absolute failure of messaging. Yeah, it's foul from from the government. Yeah. Of like, do we need to wear masks? Do we not need to wear masks? Okay, do I need to wear a mask after I've been vaccinated? the uncertainty and mixed messaging has been like off the charts and listen if 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 the you know liberals are still terrified i very much encourage them stay home folks
1: well so so back to holmes's point it's like yeah let's let's have these folks stay home because that that the delta between those two numbers those two two statistics you read Mm -hmm. smug we all know those people yeah petty tyrants from PTA or, yes. or in the, you know, uh, uh, the soccer team, you know, the, the mom and dad who everything has to be their way. And we got to make sure we get the, you know, vegan treats for halftime and they're the worst yeah. and we don't want them around. No. So I'm very or they're, glad. Short, or they're short kids. I'm going to push, yeah, I'm going to push them all more, more research on variants. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stay in your house forever. We're loving life.
3: I listen, I heard there's something coming out of South Africa, folks. I don't yeah. know.
1: It's It's got a lot of numbers and it reads like a barcode and you should be frightened of it.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, is, is we we've seen the, not just the messaging, but like even the fact that, Oh, you know, for a year you would essentially, you could get your account taken away if you said anything about a lab in Wuhan. And oh, yeah. now the left is as, acting like, Oh, you know, Hey, we were always on board with this. And we thought the having an investigation would be important, but I mean, bottom line, here's what I'm saying is, sure, we've we've had pent-up demand for a roaring 20s type of situation. I think it's going to take time, though, for folks to get used to being out in public again. I mean, there's a certain part of me liked when I was out at a restaurant, I could get a table like anywhere. If the, if the restaurant's open, I can get a table. Uh, at the, if I need to go to a bar, I could invite anyone I want. There's no worry about, you know, getting crowded out. I could get my drinks super fast, you know. I, I enjoy being able to benefit during this time period of, of essentially you, you just have a right-wing group out there living yeah. life. Um, but I still am a firm believer in summer of violence. Like you look at, uh, I think it's really telling. There's a lot of polling that's done on the New York City mayoral race right now. And they asked voters, what, you know, in order, what's your number one concern? You know, what concerns you the most? What issue? And said crime and public safety. Wow. 45%. That's, I mean, this is a very noticeable thing, especially like, you know, when I was visiting all these cities and I was just hearing these absolute horror stories, especially in LA of the crime. And you see it firsthand. Like, I don't, I don't, it's, it's heartbreaking because I believe, you know, California is a beautiful state. LA is very, you know, it's a great place. Lots of great people there. But what they've done there is just a nightmare. I don't like going to LA anymore. I don't like going to San Francisco, which is such a beautiful city on a bay. But I don't want to go there because it's just like violent, dangerous, horrific place that no one is really enjoying. No one's enjoying it. And I think we're going to see a huge amount of frustration from people who have, it's kind of like how uh, after the 2008 crash, there was a significant part of our population that did not recover. Economically, the same way that you heard, you know, uh, the well-to-do coastal folks, who, who especially during COVID, never missed a paycheck. So of course, they think it's roaring twenties. There's a lot of frustration from people out there who saw their businesses fail, who are seeing prices go up. I'd be concerned about some of violence.
3: Oh God, I know it. I know. All right. I've got uh, a fake news update for you guys too, actually. I mean, there's so many of them, but these ones caught my eye. I wanted to just briefly, if we've got the audio, great. If not, you can look it up. It's uh, the first one that that it was Yamish.
0: Right. Can you talk a bit about how
3: President Biden plans to convince, especially our European allies, that President, former President Trump was an anomaly in some ways, all of the things that he did to in some ways traumatize those leaders, calling into question the need for NATO. What's the plan there? And he concerned that those scars are going to be
0: deeper than the, than his ability to address them in this one trip.
3: She's talking about the upcoming G7.
0: Incredible. I, I,
3: <laughs> it's so bad. It's hard to even I – mean, first of all, she's a host on PBS, right? This is like a taxpayer-funded, they're yeah. supposed to be middle-of-the-road type deal. This is the kind of question that occurs to her? Oh, my God. It's incredible. And, it, this,
1: and, and how about restoring norms? You know, we got the Biden administration lifting sanctions on a Russian oligarchs pipeline. And Yamiche is yeah. here saying, how are you going to restore trust and faith with these
2: countries? And it's like, I, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. i mean it's at the point where it's like did saki just email her and like i'm gonna call on you if you read this out and they're like yeah sure right i mean it's that much of a it's like um oh oh i'm trying to remember the simpsons episode when it was like the sideshow bob is running for mayor and they <laughs> they like uh you know rigged the audience with questions and they're like well you know you you're uh, amazing at this like it's such a setup that the way that the media is working you know hand in glove with the dems at this point where they're like, they're excitedly tweeting out a picture. They're like, Kamala Harris gave us cookies.
3: I mean, oh, it, they, they gave us cookies, folks. I, of herself? <laughs> Can you imagine if Trump did that? Of herself, yeah. cookies, of herself. cookies of
1: himself to be a down. He'd have a full investigation of the
2: chef.
3: <laughs> That's uh, what did he know and when did he, he know?
2: It? Like you know, that restaurant would probably get burned down, attacked. <laughs> but,
3: and right, meanwhile, so, you've,
2: they're so excited, like. Oh, yes. We got, a, we got Kamala Harris
3: to deliver a cookie of herself. Have you no shame? But did you guys see, Sosaki herself was on with Stelter. Did you guys see that audio? Jen, thanks for coming on Reliable Sources. My pleasure. Busy summer ahead, infrastructure, election reform. What does the press get wrong when covering Biden's agenda? When you watch the news, when you read the news, what do you think we get wrong? All of this comes together, and it's on the heels, by the way, of us learning that Saki's on some kind of the cover of some magazine after four years of no Trump official, including a supermodel first lady, being on any women's magazines. It's incredible. I, 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 uh, you know, I kind of hate continuing to wring my hands about it because it's, it's just an effective super PAC campaign is what it is. It's not like there's any difference between <laughs> Dem Operative and journal in a lot of these organizations. But that's why we play the game, you know. Which we're going to play again this week, right? Yeah, I think we we got that lined up for Thursday. Yeah, Our Thursday. Yep. Episode. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I love that. All right. So let's let's move on. We've got one quick thing that we need to hit on the red wave, um, because we pay attention to stuff. Of course, the media doesn't. But we, we remember, like a month or two ago, when the Texas special elections were going on, and there was a bunch of really good results for conservatives, we got another one. We got another one. There's the mayorship of McAllen, Texas. And it's a somewhat surprising result because it's got 140,000 people that live there. It's 85% Hispanic, right? 85% Hispanic now has a Republican mayor for the uh, first time, I think, since like the late 90s, like 97 or something That's like right. that. But but here's why. it's I mean, if you're a Democrat, you can ignore this stuff as long as you want, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. But when all of a sudden you're seeing Texas... Hispanics vote in mass for Republicans time after time after time after time. You're in big trouble. It's
2: and, and and I think the 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 operative class in the Dems are starting. It's starting to dawn on them, which is what they're like desperate to get rid of the filibuster because they know they're on the clock. Like the the, the conservative base is energized. We've been winning elections. This this you know uh, in McAllen, Texas they have not had a GOP mayor since 97, 85% Hispanic. Now we have Republican there. That's a bit, you know, that's a big deal compared to you had the, the D triple C trying to spike the football on, you know, there was some district that, that voted by 28% for Biden. And they're like, we held this. No, like no, no outside group spent any money on that. Like, it's a yeah, plus what a 28. Case study. What a case study of how to win. <laughs> and the D trip, like comms director, like goes there in person and is like, we took this. We've got momentum. It's like, um, wow. You, I mean, you got a D plus 28, but we are winning districts that have been blue since 97. The momentum don't. is, I mean, this, this red wave. That's the thing is like the media really wants to divide us. They really want us to take the bait because it's getting more and more apparent. Like
3: our base is energized when we're unified. We're unstoppable. Don't take the bait. Absolutely. Don't take the bait. And if, you, if your congressman or senator mm-hmm. is a repeat offender of taking the bait and, yep. and talking about what the media wants them to talk about, I'd like you to go to the store and buy a don't take the bait <laughs> uh, T-shirt. Send it to their office.
2: I can imagine some members of Congress are getting those shirts. Send <laughs> it to their paid. office.
3: I'm happy, happy to sign one. I'm sure Smug and Michael will happy <laughs> to sign them too because don't right. take the bait. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's the message. And, and I think a lot of folks are really starting to get it. Now you look at these numbers, our side is really getting unified and we got momentum.
3: Absolutely. Well, listen, I think what you just said about some operatives understanding what's coming is totally true. And the best example of that is what's happening to Joe Manchin. Mm. Yep. Joe Manchin. Yep. So, he and, and Kirsten Sinema are the ones that stood up and said, No, you cannot ruin the Senate as an institution because you have uh, unified democratic governance. So, I mean, very responsible position. But recently, I think over the weekend, he announced in an op ed in West Virginia that he's not going to support their ridiculous HR1, S1, like total stolen election <laughs> type legislation, which came as a surprise to them. And he's been just undergoing a complete assault from the progressive caucus in the house. And even Dick Durbin's press secretary attacked him. That was
2: hilarious. That was hilarious. And then when people saw it, she had to like delete it, lock her account. It's like, uh Oh, yep. That's right. You messed up. It's, and and, and it's the narrative. It's so cynical. It's so cynical because they only have one card to play one card to play. They're like, Oh, well, if you're with the filibuster, that means you're a white supremacist like you had all these progressive activists uh what's her name the uh, the tv show host being like oh my goodness this is proof uh joe manchin supports white supremacy because he won't get rid of the filibuster folks where was that when the dems filibustered tim scott's police reform bill and it wasn't white supremacy then was it it's almost like they make this garbage up they're so they're so
1: dishonest it's a, it's a, they're so dishonest and I, you know if you if you unless you were born yesterday you see right through it right yeah. i mean yeah. you know in, in 2019 uh you know their attack was you know Moscow Mitch he won't pass yep. our election security yep. bill and he's rigging the election for Donald Trump and then you know the election rolls around and they say you know, most secure and most fair election in history, in history.
3: Yeah. And now yep. it's
1: 2021 and, and they're just bringing back the hits. It's, it's white supremacist Joe Manchin doesn't want to save
2: democracy.
3: Oh, and they're such brainless idiots, too. I mean, the other thing about it is that they just sort of like repeat what they're it's, hearing.
2: And I'm telling you, it's because they have the benefit of the, the media at this point is so in the tank for the Dems, even though it hurts their ratings. Like without Trump, they're they're toast. Like uh, what's his name? That clown with the glasses on MSNBC.
3: Oh Hayes, yeah, Hayes, Chris guy. Hayes.
2: He now has the least watched primetime cable show for people under fifty five. The least watched. Okay, like this is what's happening. Is they're desperate, and for some reason they all sold their souls, thinking that like if we have access, we can you know get ratings. This will be good for us. It's done nothing for them. They're done. Like no one you know cares. all the like resistance, you know, broken brain. Wine moms who are tuning in, they're done. They're like, oh, well, Trump's gone. That means I don't need to pay attention to politics anymore. <laughs> so the only message they're like, okay, well, uh, it must be white supremacy. It, that's, that's, that's their message. They already, they already played the Russia thing until the election. Now they're going to play the white supremacy thing. Anything I don't agree with is white supremacy, even though the Dems filibustered Tim Scott's police reform bill. That's, that's I mean, if there's one thing you tell any Dem when they're trying to talk about getting rid of the filibuster. Because it's white supremacy, ask them why is it then that the Dems filibustered Tim Scott's police reform bill?
3: <laughs> that's the only. They thing never will answer it.
2: They never. That's like it's 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 like you know uh, holy water for a vampire. They're like oh my god. They'll like they will never answer that question. Never.
3: They'll, never, they'll answer it. Republicans had all the opportunity in the world to get rid of it and damage the institution in the country, and they didn't. They they yeah. had more institutional integrity than that, and that's frankly why they're better people. But it's, it's unbelievable to me how bad this whole thing has gotten. Hats off to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. I saw her bouncing around with uh, Cornyn down at the border uh, during the break last week. And she was strong, man. She, she, they asked her point blank whether she was going to get rid of the filibuster, and she just said flat no. Amazing, right? Yeah, it's it's that strong. easy. It is that easy. It really is. It really is. But you know what? We tackle all of these topics with Dave Rubin, who I think you guys are really going to enjoy.
2: Yeah, I'll say this was an incredibly fun interview. He's a great guy. Uh, The folks who've already heard this on our team said it could be our best. I mean, we get that a lot lately, but this was a really great one. I think everyone's going to
3: enjoy it. Let's get to it. I want to welcome to the program a really great guy, very funny guy, very insightful guy. He is the host and creator of the Rubin Report, a best-selling author. Dave Rubin, welcome to the program. New York
0: Times best-selling author, okay? <laughs> that trash, that rag, that leftist propaganda tool, the New York Times. Yeah, I'm on that list. Good to be with you guys.
3: You know, I was just saying, it is a damn shame that this is not a video format because you, you look smashing, my man. That backdrop is something else.
0: You know we run a professional operation here. I do a daily show. We put it on the YouTube. It goes out to the internet. We've got a lighting person and a director over here and you know people that they smack me with powder before we start. We we uh, spare no expense.
3: No, it's like you're you're a real professional. This is amazing. Actually it's uh, it's a pretty incredible show. For those of you I'm sure I'll, basically everybody in our audience has checked it out, but it is a an incredible show with an incredible following, and you've really taken the long way around to be a conservative thought leader.
0: <laughs> right, that's one way. to Very put it. interesting that's approach. I, I like that. That may go on the back of my next book: the long way around to become a conservative thought leader. I guess I did. You know, all I started doing about five years ago, as a lefty, as a as a liberal, as a progressive. I mean, I was a Bernie supporter. I just started saying, "Hey, guys, something is not right here." I mean, it can't be that everyone we disagree with is a racist and a bigot. It can't be that we're so enlightened and everyone else is so evil. And just by saying that, the way the left turned on me, it was just absolutely extraordinary. And then over the last five years, all I've really done, I mean, the secret to what I did was that I thought, all right, well, if these people are all going completely bananas, why don't I talk to some of those scary people on the right that everyone tells me is so evil and so horrible? Let me talk to this, fast-talking Orthodox Jew, Ben Shapiro, and let me talk to Glenn Beck, crazy Glenn Beck, and let me talk to Dennis Prager and some of these other guys. And next thing you know, you find out that they're actually all good people and, and they know what they're talking about and why they believe what they believe and they agree to disagree. And I find them, uh, them I, can't, I shouldn't even say them anymore. I would say we, meaning anyone that's sort of center right at this point, I find them to be better people and, and much more generous of spirit and and just decent. And that's really it.
3: Hmm. Well, let, me, let me ask you, because one of the things that um, fascinates me about people who've made a full migration from sort of the progressive left over the conservative side, did there come a point where you just sort of looked around and realized that basically every institution in America was geared up against conservatives? And you're like, wait a second, how the hell is this? media, whether it's, it's Hollywood, whether it's higher education, like everything.
0: Yeah. You know, there's a couple moments that, that kind of woke me up on the idea side first. And then what you're asking about, I think is sort of the last step of the red pill moment when you, it's like, you see a few things happen, but then there's this last moment where you finally see something that is so big and it's so, Uh, inclusive of every part of the way we view the world that you're like, holy shit. Like this is like (laughs) matrix level. Like, you know, in matrix one, the guy that wanted to uh, Joe Palantino, what's his name? Joe. uh, The one who wanted to go
2: back in though. Yeah.
0: He wanted to go back and you can see Palantonio. What's his name? I can't remember. But, uh, but in essence, he wanted to take the blue pill because he just wanted to enjoy steak. He didn't want to deal with the nonsense anymore. And, and I understand that by the way. And I see a lot of my, a lot of my liberal friends that, well, I guess the few that'll still talk to me now, they're there. Like they've taken the red pill, but that last moment when you really have to accept that the whole system is rigged against you, that you have probably been a huge part of the problem yourself, especially if you were a public person. Um, And then of course, you know, if you make that last move, which I've made and I publicly supported Trump and I still wish the guy was president and all that kind of stuff, when you make that last move, you have to be ready for the whole freaking thing to come down on. Yeah. You. And and I just always did what I thought was right. I, that really is it. it. It was nothing more magical than that. Um, but I don't know that there was like a specific moment when I fully realized that the entire cultural institutions and all of that stuff. I would say there were a couple of moments. I'll, I'll give you one real quick. Uh, I was on air with the Young Turks years ago when I was a yeah. lefty. And they were playing a clip of David Webb, and I'm sure you guys know David Webb. David Webb's a conservative who is on Fox News and SiriusXM Patriot Channel. He happens to be Black. I say happens to be Black because, yeah, he's Black. Big damn whoop. Nobody cares. They're, we're, we're playing a clip, and there's, like, four hosts. You know, I'm one of, like, four co-hosts on The Young Turks. We're playing a clip of David Webb, and they're calling him an Uncle Tom and a sellout and all of this stuff. And what they didn't know was years before, I had a show on SiriusXM, and... David and I met in the hallway one day and we became friends and I would go on his show and I'd be the lefty and he'd be on the right. And we'd talk about stuff and argue. And then we'd go right downstairs to Del Fresco's for dinner and whiskey. And I had a great time and and we're still good buds to this day. They didn't realize that. And suddenly, as they're calling him an Uncle Tom and a a self-hating black guy and all this stuff, I'm looking at them and I'm going, wait a minute you guys are actually the racists. Like I know David, he is a good man. He believes what he believes. He, he knows why he believes it. He fights for what he believes every day. It's not easy to be a black conservative, obviously. And you guys see a black man who thinks differently than you think black people are allowed to think. And you think that gives you the license to say whatever you want. And so that to me was one of those moments where it just crystallized because it was so obvious because it was my friend, not just like some cartoon character in a cable news box. You know? and,
2: and I feel like that's kind of the holistic approach in a way that the left takes now is uh, you're not allowed to be friends with anyone who doesn't completely conform to what the agenda of, of, of the moment that the left has going. Like it's gotten to the point, like I'd say like over the past 10 years where there's like a social pressure among liberals that like, well, you can't hang out with us if you're not 100% on board with, no, it's with a cult. all these things
0: it's a cult man what what would any cult do cults do not tolerate dissent cults you what's what what happens with a cult it's very easy to get in very hard to get out that's exactly what the left is now you can get in very easily just you know if you're white you just got to get on your knees and bow forever and pray to the altar of AOC or something but to get out well you can't get out because they'll destroy you you're you're now a traitor or a bigot and especially who do they really hate if they if they walk they hate the black conservatives. They hate the gay conservatives, the Latino conservatives. They, you know, because they really, they need their minorities oppressed, or at least to believe that they're oppressed. Because if you live in America, you are not oppressed by, by any real stretch. And that's why everyone still wants to come here and nobody wants to leave. Uh, but they've, they've become completely cult-like. I mean, look, look at it this way. What position are you allowed to have as a good lefty, as a wokester, that doesn't agree with all of the things of wokism? What what what's one position you're allowed to hold where they wouldn't say you're evil? I mean, there isn't one yet. You could have all sorts of opinions on the right. I mean, the example I always use is Rudy Giuliani, who at one time, you know, what was it about 14 years ago was the leading candidate to be the Republican nominee for president. right? And then he ran a really bad campaign. Um, but he was running pro-choice. And he's still pro-choice to this day. Nobody doesn't think Rudy Giuliani. You could think whatever you want about Rudy Giuliani, but nobody's walking around going, he's not a conservative. So the conservatives have shown themselves. Trump ran pro-gay marriage. The conservatives have shown themselves to be to be open, and I would argue liberal in the best sense of liberalism. It's the left that's not liberal. It's not the conservatives.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, it.
2: and how quickly they turn that switch on. Like you saw with Manchin recently, yeah. he's not going along with the filibuster. And they're like, Joe Manchin is on board with white supremacy. He wants to keep all the minorities in America oppressed. Like this is a a Democrat senator. Just like that, they flicked the switch. Jamel
0: Hill calling him a white supremacist today. She's a black supremacist. She's far more of a black supremacist than Joe Manchin is a white supremacist. Joe Manchin believes in the rule of law. Simple as that. I don't know of any policy Joe Manchin is trying to pass to stop black people from doing anything. Jamel Hill, on the other hand, is pushing critical race theory, is pushing all this diversity and inclusion bullshit. She's actually pushing racist policies. So we don't have systemic racism. They're the ones injecting it and, and telling us that we've got it at the same exact time. It's, it's kind of elegant. You got to admire it's evil. You know, It's, <laughs> it's sort of like the alien in, in the alien movies. Remember the first alien movie, I always say this, but in the first alien movie, the, the doctor who turns out to be a robot He loves the alien because he can't believe there could be something so merciless. So without remorse, without guilt, something such so perfect in its evilness. And in many ways, that's what CRT and and the wokesters have become. Yeah. I mean, it's,
2: it's like they're, they, they pretty much, especially you've seen in corporate America, they're exerting their authority of like, you know, if there's a higher, like Apple recently had a situation where, where before the guy even started they got him fired because they're like oh no we 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 we're not going to agree with this guy's views um it's oh, and and you saw in Atlanta they got the you know the the world's uh, the
0: all-star game pushed out of there yeah look what they do who they hurt who they first off these laws that the republicans are, are trying to pass um are not racist okay you can't have people campaigning while people are waiting to vote. It's as simple as that. This has nothing to do with trying to, they're making it sound like they want people to drop dead of dehydration while they're waiting online. First off, if you think you're gonna have to wait online and maybe we could talk about how you'd make voting a little bit easier or something like that, like bring a bottle of water. Like everyone thinks that the government is supposed to be their parent. Like I'm gonna literally die of dehydration on a line in Atlanta While I'm like, it's all such crap and this, you know, and all of it, the voter ID. No, you shouldn't have a a voter ID. Like, think how insane that is. First off, everyone has an ID to get a beer, to get on a plane, everything else. Here in LA, when I voted, they didn't ask for ID. I actually took my ID out because just by default, like, you think you're doing something professional, it seems like you would need an ID. I took it out. The guy actually said, put it away. And then they just, they asked me my name and address. Okay. And then it was just very obvious to me that why could I not walk in the next day? I did early voting. So, you know, you got however many weeks right there. Why could I not the next day? I know my neighbor's name and I know his address. Yeah, I'm Bob. I'm Bob from across the street. They want fraud. I mean, that really is what it is. It's as simple as that. And, And one of the things as a new guy to say the right, one of the things that I think the conservatives better get on board and quick is like, we need to stop playing all these games with them. Call it out for what it is. They are racists. They are authoritarians. They're trying to burn it down. There's no half measures here. Like, I don't like calling these people evil, but at some point, did you guys I tweeted out this morning? I don't know if you guys saw, but Kamala gave a speech this morning about the refugees coming to the southern border. She's literally just repeating the same stuff that Trump said for years. Don't come to the border. If you want to come in, we have to figure out a way to do it legally. We have to secure the border. She's repeating the same stuff that they all called Trump racist for five years, right? Yep. And it's like, that is evil. I'm sorry, that that type of destruction of truth, that is evil. So I hate doing it. I, Cause because then it's like then we're really caught in something really dangerous if we're all just yelling we're evil all the time. But Republicans better start realizing these half measures, it's just the slow road to hell. Yeah. Well, I
3: look, I think, I think you have an interesting perspective on a lot of this because. There's obviously no uh, louder voice than the than the evangelical change agent, right? Somebody who was once progressive, who's now conservative and now sees it from a different perspective. Because those of us like me, I've been in this thing for 20 years. And so, you know, you get cynical over time, but you get fresh eyes on this stuff. And you're right. I mean, you know, you were talking about the the voting rights stuff. All of this is a repackage of, of attempts to try to cheat voter law for the last yeah. 30 years. I mean, it's literally the exact same package for
0: 30 years they've tried to pass, but now it's now it's some white supremacist tool. By the way, I had Nikki Haley right here in studio a couple of weeks ago, and she talked about how you know the Democrats in South Carolina didn't want voter IDs. So she said, okay, we'll put a program together. We'll fund it for a couple million bucks. And if you can't get an ID in South Carolina, we'll get you an ID. That That seemed like a good use of funds for her. That actually seems totally legit to me. If you said to me, we're going to put, you know, I don't want to use government money for a lot of stuff. But if you were to say to me, okay, we can actually prove that this certain set of people can't get an ID, they can never tell you who it is, right? But if you could say, okay, we know that for whatever reason, 8% of people can't get an ID. If you said to me, we got to allocate X amount of dollars to make that happen. So be it. That's exactly what Nikki Haley did in South Carolina. And I think if I'm remembering it correctly, she told me 12 people showed up 12 people because it has nothing to do with not getting an ID or the the lack of ability to get an ID. And it's also racist. You're not gonna believe this. I know black people who have IDs. I also know black people who's gonna blow Joe Biden, Joe Biden's mind. I know black people with lawyers and accountants. I even know some black people who are lawyers and accountants. It's incredible. And I have a black friend who can use a computer. It's it's
2: really stunning. Like it's just lowering <laughs> expectations. It's, it's, it's soft big bigotry of, of low expectations. Yeah. And, yeah. and they've turned that into a policy.
3: I gotta tell you one of the things that I think is the, the freshest the uh, perspective that you bring to this, Dave, is you're funny guy, right? I mean, one of the one of the things that we've been lacking so I used to be. I used well, to be think, these guys bludgeoned the hell out of me, you know. Well, they're taking the fun out of everything, right? You can't yeah. say what you just said is funny, right? It's yeah. irreverent, it's funny, but they're taking the fun out of everything. They try to cancel everything that
0: everybody does. You had a you grew up in comedy. Right? Yeah, what well, are your thoughts on all that. Well, they've completely wrecked comedy. I mean, the idea that what they've done to, you know, Jimmy Kimmel is not a comedian. He, he is a man who has been in blackface, who is a, you know, Democrat progressive activist. Sarah Silverman, you're not a comedian anymore. Patton Oswald, you're not a comedian. Seth Rogen, you're not a comedian. Uh, Borat, whatever the hell his name is, he's not a comedian anymore. These people are not comedians. They're all progressives who are guilty about their own past sins because they've been in blackface and made fun of gay people. It's funny, Seth MacFarlane, he's not returning any of the money that he made for 20 years on Family Guy about gay people or black people. Hank Azaria, Hank Azaria, who I truly think is talented. I mean, probably the most talented voiceover actor in the history of the world who's done a gajillion voices on The Simpsons. He won't do poo anymore, but he's not returning the million bucks you get per episode, right? <laughs> like, he's, you know, they're all, they're all just liars and frauds. You know, one of the most fun things that I did in the last couple of years was when, you know, I toured with Jordan Peterson for a year and a half, which was just mind-blowingly, it, it feels like a dream to me when I think back. I'm like, did that actually happen? It was just so amazing. About 120 stops in about 20 countries. And the way the show worked was I did about 15 minutes of warm-up up top, just getting everybody in that room, you know, because we're used to all just staring at our phones and listening to podcasts. I wanted people to be in a room of 5,000 people and laugh and see that other people were happy and getting their shit together. And and as Jordan would say, standing up straight with their shoulders back. And so I was really just doing stand stand-up and and messing around with the crowd, about 15 minutes. Jordan would give about an hour and a half lecture and it's, you know, pretty fire and brimstone, serious stuff. And then at the end we'd do a Q and A together for about a half hour. And I would sort of split it between serious questions and just silly stuff to to get him laughing because everyone want, always wanted to see him laugh. And then on the off nights of the tour, if we just had a night that we were in a city that that we didn't have a show yet, I would do the clubs. And I have like three jokes at this point, but you know I sold out every show that I did and we get 100, 100 200 people in there. And I just do this. I just talk to people about what's on my mind, what's going on on Twitter that day. And had a freaking blast. So I actually, I can't, that's what I'm really missing right now. And I can't wait to start getting back to some of that stuff because there is a, you don't have to be funny. Like you got to hear my 20 jokes about the same old shit that everybody else is talking about. I like getting in that room and just like having fun with people. And yeah, you're right. I mean, because politics has become religious to these people Mm -hmm. and it's not, I I don't find my salvation in politics. You know, I like Ron DeSantis, but he's not my Jesus. Right. And so I think you brought up a really great
2: point. It's like, uh, you know, just having a conversation like this is so entertaining to people. Uh, and you can actually say things that are funny and not have to worry about it. It's like you look at SNL. It's all basically become just trying to push talking points. Like, no, what are the it, less it, talking points? They have no they have no jokes on there anymore. Uh, they don't have really any funny bits at all.
0: Just well, first trash. off, SNL, I mean, you know, it, it had its heyday, okay? You know, they oh, were about yeah. 25 years past their heydays. Uh, you know, I would guess probably early 90s, maybe Sandler leaving, something like that, or Phil Hartman dying. That's probably when it pretty much wrapped up. Maybe there were a couple random good years in between. But, you know, basically all they do, and I haven't watched SNL in 20 years, but, like, they get a, you know, a decent premise, and then they just beat it into hell for five minutes just <laughs> repetitively, and the canned laughter, and you're right. but but. It's not a coincidence. The thing is, wokeism destroys everything. I, I have a friend who would kill me if I if I said his name, so I'm not going to, but he is a, a very well-known comedy writer and, and producer in LA. This guy, multiple Emmy, Emmy winner, like major, major talent. He is basically quitting the industry because um, he was never a conservative. He's a conservative now because basically a conservative is just a liberal who meets reality. Hmm. But pretty much what happened to him was he was writing for all these years, won all these awards, great shows. And then in the last couple of years, the studios were like, well, you can't just hire the writers you want to hire because they're funny. You got to hire. We need a black writer. We need a trans writer. You got to have an Indian writer, somebody with a lazy eye and a limp. And he goes, basically, I go into the writer's room and everyone's just yelling at each other over who's more offended than the other person. So he's quitting. He's getting out. He's retiring. And and this is like this is like a primo guy. And that just tells you everything you need to know. That's just incredible. My, it, listen,
3: I don't know how anybody does it in the entertainment business anymore because the rules of the road are impossible, right? I mean, that's why, I guess that's why you get the Ruben Report, shows like Ruthless. I mean, this is our opportunity, yeah. right?
0: People actually want to be entertained. They want to be talked to like real people. No, but what a, what a world. I mean, look, this is what you guys did. I mean, you can build yourself up on Twitter, on these places for as long as they let you build yourself up. That's and then right. of course, you know, the ways that they could be taking any of us out or manipulating us or blowing our feeds up with haters and bots and, you know, the way the algorithm can just decide whether if, if YouTube likes me on any given week, our, our numbers are great. And if they don't like us on any other week, or if I have somebody that might be too dangerous, you know, you just, we just have no idea. Like basically we're we're all playing a board game with completely, where nobody knows the rules mm-hmm. or everyone has their own rules or something like that. Maybe it's some combination of those things. And and that's why this all kind of sucks, and it's all amazing at the same time because it's so freaking cool. I mean, look what we can all do for a living, or on as a side hustle, or whatever. It's freaking awesome. And then on the other hand, we're all sort of just—it's you know—it's by the grace of Susan Wojcicki at YouTube that any of us can do this thing. <laughs> yeah, and you great what, gal, by the, the way, great gal. She won an award. She won a YouTube award for free speech on YouTube or something. Really amazing.
2: Speaking of that, so uh, about about how it's almost like conservatives have no control on the platform. So you started a company called Locals. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I knew this was all coming, right? Like, I guess because I was sort of ahead on the political winds of change and they're so connected to the technological winds of change, I just saw that it was going to be obvious we were all going to be censored into oblivion or booted off the platforms or de-boosted or shadow banned or all of the stuff, right, that we all, all of these Orwellian terms that we all now know, so a couple of years ago, you know, when I, was, when, when I was really sort of blowing up when that whole intellectual dark web thing was blowing up and Peterson was blowing up and Sam Harris and the Weinstein brothers and everything, it was like, we were all talking about this stuff. And I was like, well, I don't know, why doesn't someone do something about it? Maybe, and then I was like, well, I'm somebody, so I guess maybe I'll do something. And I thought, okay, well, what do people want? Well, you want you want something where you own all of your content. So you own your video, you own your audio, you own the user data. There's no algorithmic manipulation. So uh, we have obviously desktop and iOS and Android versions of of locals apps and it's subscription based. So there's no trolls. There's no bots. We actually just started beta testing live streaming this morning. I I was just on it. It's awesome. We're going to launch that soon. We have live text chat. You own all the data and contact information. So you guys should be on there. I mean, it's subscription based. That's how you should be funding funding your, your podcast. Um, So basically we're, we're Patreon for, for serious people that want to really own stuff and build businesses properly. And I'll tell you something interesting for the first like year and a half of trying to raise funds for this thing, it was almost impossible. I had fans that were just like, Hey Dave, if you ever build something, let me know, I'll throw you some money. And that's how we started. But then after the January 6th, you know, the insurrection where everyone forgot to bring guns. Um, after that, when they blew up the parlor servers, when Amazon just blew up the servers, suddenly everyone in Silicon Valley was reaching out to us because that was such an escalation. That wasn't like, that wasn't like, oh, we booted somebody off Twitter or we, you know, took out Trump's accounts. That was, we can actually destroy the complete infrastructure of a company. And, you know, parlor had 21 million users at the time. So they were, it was really a mafia hit in effect on the new guys that's really what it was like you know we're not letting you enter jersey like we control jersey um so uh so right after that we got we got great investors and the company's exploding right now like totally exploding i'm going to, we're moving to miami the company's moving to miami i'm going oh, awesome. down next week awesome. yeah well well you know you got every every miami tech company's now.
2: headed to miami now that's the thing yeah, you i'm going get, you
0: i'm gotta, going next week to interview Suarez, out of LA, the, the mayor as fast yeah. as possible you got to get out of there I know. Well, you know, I got, I got people that work for me here and I'm trying to figure out like a whole bunch of things, but yes, it makes, it makes no sense to be here other than the weather. And my house is really nice, but like (laughs) it's, it's, it's the weather that's, that's been keeping us here. And there are, you know, there's a few things. I have a couple of businesses, so I'm trying to tie things together. And also, you know, I I didn't realize this till, till recently, I guess, but I am a fighter. I I never thought of myself as a fighter, but like the idea of just cutting and running, I, I don't like that. I had a, conversation with Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire like back in May and he came to my house and we were getting drunk and we're like yeah we're going to stay and fight and we're going to take back california and blah. and then literally the next morning Daily Wire announced they're moving to Nashville and he texts <laughs> me and he's like he's like sorry i didn't know i didn't know but anyway, I, so that's why I want to fight. You know, I don't know that we can get rid of Newsom. I mean, this guy is a true, this is like evil incarnate. I mean, I don't know that we can get rid of him, but I do want to fight a little bit longer at least. Yeah. Do you have a, do you
3: have a candidate there? Are you going what about
0: you? Are you going to run? Uh, you know, I joked once on Fox that I was going to run. And now everywhere I go, everybody wants me to run. And I've had major money people offer to fund the thing. And I don't, the truth is, first off, my life is good. I, I like what I'm doing. I'm and happy stay with out. what I'm doing. <laughs> and, and, right, right. So it's like, but that's part of the problem, right? So yeah. good, productive people would never want to go into politics. So you only get this set of really awful people who want to control people. And then, of course, the other problem is the, the Democrats, because their base ideology is controlling people. We want to take from people and give to other people. We want to set up a perfect system you know all that kind of stuff you're going to get real maniacs on that side and then what do you get on republican side well you get people that they don't really generally speaking want to use government power so they're not even sure why they're there exactly that that's the challenge that we'll always have to face like a guy like rand paul and i love rand paul so this is like this is in no way criticism of him but it's like he doesn't want to use government power to do everything he wants to do and that asymmetry is a big problem. I, I don't know how you balance that cuz it's like we look all the good humans could move to Florida and Texas, but eventually the blue monster is going to come bashing down the door there too. So it's like, well, what what do we do? I mean, this is what all the states are going to have to figure out. Yeah. Well, listen, you're fighting the good fight and we appreciate. It. I got three big questions for you
3: here, yes. Dave. These these are uh important to the the Ruthless program. The first
0: one is your last meal on earth. What would it be? Chicken parm. Give me a cast Here, iron a chicken one. parm. And I've even got a uh, a recipe for one at david'scookbook.com. Ah,
3: Excellent. how is that? How is that? <laughs> Great <With one. laughs> specificity. I love it. There I love you go. It. All right. So if you didn't get into this mess at all, if you didn't if, no cross section of politics, but let's even go further. You weren't even in the entertainment
0: business. What would you be doing with your life? Well, my true, this is sort of entertainment, so I'll give you one version, then I'll give you another. My my true dream growing up, I wanted to be in the NBA. Like, I just, I, I love basketball. I've got a torn ACL in my left knee now. I got some major crap going on with my shoulder. I'm, I'll am i be 45 next week. That dream is long, long gone. But that would have been my real dream. I, what else could I have been if, if not in entertainment? Um, you know what? I, I was it for a little while. I grew up, I love video games, and my first job out of college, I was assistant manager at electronics boutique in Broadway Mall, Hicksville, Long Island, which you may electronics boutique, which is now known as GameStop. Amazing. So I was I was early in on the GameStop thing. I think I'd be a video game salesman.
2: <laughs> yeah, hopefully you'd get some options that you could exercise on that stock now, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they I don't think they
3: give the assistant manager options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, third and final
0: question, What motivates you more? The thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? Ah, victory for sure, like not even a question. I love I love the fact that I've built something good that people like, that is important to people, that other people emulate, that then turned into a tech company. Like I love that process. like it's just like, oh, there's something wrong. like go fix it, go fix it and and just keep going. Like I, I think if I did one thing right in life, And this is very sort of Jordan Peterson-y, but it's like, I wake up, I have purpose every day. Like, I don't wake up like, oh, what am I going to do today? Or I don't want to do what I have to do. It's like, I have so much to do every single day that when the the day is done, I'm usually like, yeah, I gave it all I got. And I think that's pretty much all you can do as a human, something like that.
3: I love it. I love it. Listen, Dave, I really enjoyed this. This is uh, the first time we've actually been able to meet, but man, this conversation
0: could go another hour and I would not be bored. By the way, I feel like I have to mention one other thing here which is just absolutely for the record, it's very important that all your listeners know I am in no way related to Jennifer Rubin, okay? <laughs> I just it's got to get out there. I you know no matter how many times I tweet it and I know I know you've uh, been able to, you know, enter that world of Who's related to who, and who's you know more of a hack than the other one? I am in no way related. I've seen the books. I mean, we've tracked my family back to like 1780 or something. There's no relation.
3: That's wonderful. Really That's great to know. Yeah, it would really be a shame <laughs> if the minions started tagging you and Jennifer
0: Rubin. Oh God. Oh God.
2: But thank you so much for being on the show. Like like Josh said, this could go on for hours. So yeah, you definitely should do guys. this again. I'm, I'm
0: happy happy to come back anytime and. uh, Yeah, we just need more good voices out there. I don't don't think of competition in any sort of negative sense. It's like, I just want more and more people doing this. Let's wake up more and more people. And if one day no one's listening to me because there's enough good stuff out there, then we did something right. You're the man. Let's stay in touch, Dave. Sounds good, guys. Take care.
3: So the guy's funny as hell, right? And the thing is, is if you don't take yourself too seriously and you're not like, you know, offended by everything, he's just a breath of fresh air and a good time
2: and i'll point this out the next time i'm in la mr rubin you can expect uh, all those mentions you had of of enjoying whiskey well next time i'm in la i'm looking you up we're gonna grab a couple
3: oh yeah that wasn't lost on me either he was talking about (laughs) having cocktails and what i was like all right pal
2: there we go like yeah this is this is right right in our message this is right in our wheelhouse
3: (laughs) all right smug let's get out of here
2: well that's another banger of an episode thank you all for listening you know The numbers keep going up. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody to subscribe. And until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.